Hey, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Robin Ayub. I'm the founder of the Localization Fireside Chat uh, uh, podcast and YouTube channel. And for those who don't know me, um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, get to know me a little bit. I'd love to get to know you. And uh, this podcast, this uh, initiative that I started 45 days ago has taken uh, off uh, quite uh, fast, I would say. And today I was just checking some analytics on our video um, uh, uh, performance on YouTube and uh, found out that we are 25,000 views already and we're averaging about 1,500 views for a localization industry that's pretty significant. And uh, I'm very happy with the performance. Again, we're at early stages of the launch of our channel and I'm happy to report that we're doing very well. Thanks in most part for the um, guests that we have on this channel, for the thought leaders that we bring on this channel to share their experience, to share their know-how and to tell us their challenges, their innovations, what they're thinking about for the future, and hopefully the learnings and the lessons that we're sharing here with you today will impress somebody or will, you know, for some other people to perhaps act differently or learn from them or take the lessons from those and apply them in their businesses, apply them in their lives, etc. So today I do have the honor and a great honor to be joined by Cecilia Maldonado. And Cecilia is um, is uh, well known and uh, everybody knows Cecilia Maldonado. Uh, she's uh, from Latimway. She works uh, for Latimway. She's a co-partner there and she's in charge of revenue generation for the, uh, for the, for the company. So, and I want to thank uh, Cecilia for joining me today. I uh, really thank you for your time, Cecilia, with me and uh, the guests uh, and the audience here will appreciate what we have to chat about today. Again, it's a fireside chat. I was just telling Cecilia earlier before we started recording, no sense of stressing over this one. I'm sure um, throughout the discussion, some learnings will come out and the audience will take that learning and apply it in their businesses as well. So Cecilia, uh, the floor is yours. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, uh, where did you start and where are you now? Okay, thank you, Robin, for the invitation. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. And congratulations, uh, congratulations on the success of your channel. Uh, that says a lot. Uh, of course, it has to do with uh, engagement and uh, the topics and the content. I hope I can provide some something interesting for your audience here today. Um, well, where do I start? I am Cecilia Maldonado, as you said. I've been in this industry for more than 20 years. So yes, we're getting old. I started out as a translator because that's uh, what I um, studied at university at the National University of Córdoba in Argentina. And um, when I graduated, uh, there was no industry um, locally, so there weren't there weren't that many opportunities for us to you know uh, grow as a professional. So we had to do other things in the meantime to um, make some money. So we did some teaching and uh, many of the people that graduated with me ended up being teachers of English instead of translators. So I was determined because I, first I wanted to be an interpreter for the UN. And when I found out about the requirements, I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I did do a lot of work as an interpreter, but I had the worst time. Uh, I had to prepare a lot. You were saying, don't stress over this. I stress over everything, even traveling. Every time I do something, I stress. So 
Um, for me, interpreting an interpreting job was not uh, my ideal as a, you know, as a day-to-day thing. I enjoyed it. I was good at it, but I wasn't enjoying it. So I started researching um, things that we could do and how we could grow in this profession. And that's when I found, or we found at the time I had two partners and we found the ATA conference. And our first ATA conference was in the, t- in the year 2020 in Orlando. And we were so surprised to see um, all the opportunities, the technology, uh, people would stop us in the hallways and ask if we wanted to translate for them. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> So that's when we decided to bring that information back to Argentina, organized um, a conference that was very informal and very, um, you know, hands-on, but a huge success. Obviously, there was a huge interest. And uh, that's, that was when the Translation and Interpretation Conference was born. Um, so I was, I was listening to a few podcasts and I always listen to podcasts. And uh, when I hear people say that there was never something um, in Argentina or in Latin America, well, I have news for you. We organized these conferences uh, 20 years ago. So, and we have always invited the entire, the entire region. And of course the, the region is, is, is weird. Argentina has a lot of participation in the industry more than other countries, that doesn't mean that they don't exist. But it is true that Argentina is a huge hub for translation. So um, that was my path. I started out as a translator, um, built my own company, started doing translation, then editing, and moved and wore different hats along the, the years until I was named or... One of our, it's always been because we're translators and we don't have a business background, we always hired, and I always say we because I always had partners. We always work with consultants to help us uh, build a business and have a healthy business. So one of the consultants at the time when we were um, trying to identify what every person was good at within the company, um, that person said, you're obviously sales, you're, you're right. So, so, and it was like, uh, well, okay, I'm sales. And I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. So that's how I moved into uh, doing sales. And, um, and this is why I, what I enjoy connecting with people and, you know, generating these relationships that uh, are my drive, daily drive. So. You know, um, you know. Um, uh, thanks a lot for sharing this. And uh, we have some similarities, you and I. I uh, started my career as a computer programmer, and okay. I didn't. And I didn't know uh, computer programming can be so boring for uh, an, an, an extrovert <laughs> versus an introvert person. So, um, and I remember. Um, a, I had various jobs in, in technology, but the last job I had as a technologist, I was a system engineer for a telecom company. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, my job was to design networks and put things together, I guess, for customers. Uh, I wasn't involved with customers directly, but I was the person who builds, you know, the solutions for the, for the customers. And I remember, <clears throat> you know, uh, having this gentleman come to my cubicle and kneeling on one knee sitting beside me on my desk there. And he says to me, um, your name is Robin, right? I said, yes. 
And I don't know who that individual is. I didn't know. I mean, large organization. I don't know everybody. And back in the days, there was no internet as much as we have right now. We've got a flood of exactly. information. Now we know everything about everybody. So I didn't know who that individual was. He turned out later to be the CEO of the company. And he's telling me that today your job is to become the sales manager. I said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm an engineer. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, your system engineer. I don't do sales. He said, nope, you're doing, you're doing the uh, presentation for the client today because the sales manager is out sick and you're taking his job. So I said, oh, oh, wow. I I, who are you again? <laughs> he tells me his name. He says, no, the company. So I said, oh, okay. So now what? He said, okay, so I, what, what, does, what do we want me to do? Like, what's my job? He said, okay, we're going to do the presentation. You got to go to the customer and you got to close the deal. That's, that's your job. And I'm thinking like, closing wow. the deal? like this is not, that's not training. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, I pressure. do a presentation. I win the client. Um, I sign the contract right in the same, pres- in the same, um, in the same presentation. And, um, and I remember saying to the customer after I feel like they're nodding, I said, who signs the contract? That's the key. I think that my CEO, he was, who was in the meeting, he grabbed yeah. onto that and he said, okay, from here on, you're a salesperson because you asked you for are. the contract. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, what do you think make, made a difference uh, at that time? So you knew what you were talking about, right? Yeah. It's the, so, it's the subject matter, right? So, and especially when you're presenting a complex matter and as, mm-hmm. a, as a, you know, from an, an, a solution perspective, you're able to speak about it in a much more detailed and convincing ways versus mm-hmm. superficially from a sales perspective, you know, 100,000 exactly. foot level, which customer generally don't connect with that. All you're saying to the customer, this is how it impacts your daily life. That's how your yeah. business is going to be impacted by this. Today you're doing mm-hmm. this, tomorrow you're going to be doing something different because of my solution. So that mm-hmm. connects with people because then yeah. you brought the solution down to an actionable item that the customer can figure out where your solution mm-hmm. fit in my business. This is where sometimes, and you know, we're diving into the conversation, I guess, right now. This is yeah. where sometimes I feel like um, some of the uh, sales uh, initiatives or the sales pitches that I've heard before is that we stay too high level and we don't engage down the level of customer understanding what are we selling. I, a lot of times, sales guy, and I love hearing other people selling to me. And a lot of times, people call me up to sell me stuff, and I listen because I want to listen. I want to help. By the yeah. end of that pitch, I don't know what what was this about. Like, what are you pitching? What is your product? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. We were saying that our industry is not really, um, there are not that many trainings on sales and stuff, but because most of the companies were built by people who started doing the translations, They're the bulk, right? We're not talking a bit about the big, big players, but, um, and uh, yes, uh, I'm a translator. I did what we sell. So I sort of understand what we're doing. Right. And I know how I can help you. So that is mainly the key. Right. That's right. Absolutely. Especially like in a lot of times, like especially now in in the uh, localization world that I'm in and I've been in the industry as much as you have. I started in 2002 around that time. And um, and uh, I tell you, like a lot of times when I go in as a salesperson to convince somebody to do business with me. Um, I normally, like you could do it on your own, fine. But in the industry that we're in, it's all about trusting. You know, the customer wants mm-hmm. to trust 
And that trust is very gray area, right? So it's not easily obtained. It's not you can go on somewhere and say, hey, trust me, it doesn't work that way. It develops over time. It takes a lot more evidence. It takes a lot more convincing to develop that trust, right? So to develop that trust, which you are in a very good position, you are, you know, you come from that background. I was a translator. I translate. I've studied it. I've delivered uh, those products. So you must be in a better position to convince the customer that, yes, we can do what we said we're going to do. I guess that's, yeah, that's the key to what we do. Yeah, that's right. Basically. So that's right. And I was, I was thinking you started, you said you started in 20, uh, 2002. 22. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And I said 2020, I think. Well, whatever. Yeah. You said, you said over 20 <laughs> years. That's okay. No big deal. <laughs> over 20 <laughs> years. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. 2020. <laughs> there's, there's a part of my life I want to delete because I don't want to accept that I'm getting old. <laughs> you, and, you and me both. <laughs> you and me both. I think we're going through a phase right now where everybody is the same way. <laughs> where did the years go? Oh I don't know God. if you feel like I do because when we, um, you work from home, I'm assuming. You work remotely or do you work from the uh, office? Mo- yeah, well, twice a week from the office these days, but the rest of the time from home. So yeah. during COVID, you know, everybody working from home, including me, I find, I find the time goes by so fast. You know, I oh don't know if it's, it's, if it's everybody is the same. I just feel like in the morning, I, you know, I start working, you know, early in the morning and just before I know it, it's already six, seven o'clock in the evening. Yeah. It's just don't yeah. know where the time goes. It's, uh, I don't know either, but uh, now I think it's worse. It's become worse after the pandemic because we went back to normal with the habits of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's like, we are trying to, so we're trying to work that many hours and where do we fit the exercise, the socializing, the, you know, the mm-hmm. daily tasks. I mean, it's the day is just too short. So that's, that's, right, uh, that's, right. that's what, what is happening in my, yeah, my experience. Switching topic a little bit. Uh, can you tell me yeah. a little bit about Latin ways, if you don't mind? <laughs> Let's go back to the initial conversation. Okay. I, I yes, love, yes, I, yes. You know, I love I love talking to you, and and it's always interesting conversation. But let's talk about Latin ways a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the company. How many employees? Where you are? What kind of services do you offer? So Latin ways is a uh, regional language vendor. So we, we focus on the Latin American market and we offer translation and communication and different language related services. And we have done so for 20 years. So Latin Ways is the result of a merger of two local companies. So overall, I've, I started my first company uh, 20 years ago. Then we split, then I started my own company and then I had a partner and then we merged five years ago with another local company and became Latin Ways. Today, mm-hmm. Latin Ways is a women-owned certified company, ISO certified company. And uh, according to the last uh, news report, ranked eighth in uh, the region. So um, we've been here for a long time. There's about 40 people in, in the company and uh, mainly project managers and uh, vendor management. So we have... After the pandemic, the, re- the structure changed a little bit mm-hmm. because it was the first time ever that we needed to incorporate human resources in our company. Uh, so it, it was a combination of the pandemic that exacerbated the need for talent anywhere in the world. So we had to do uh, human resources activities to retain our talent. 
and to address the hunters uh, from overseas and the awesome salaries that they were offering our project managers and um, and sort of, you know, doing things for them and having people 100% dedicated to listening to them and what they needed and if they were comfortable, what they wanted and mm-hmm. all of those things that uh, that you need to do. So it's uh, so it's management. Uh, we have a talents department. We have in-house linguists and quality quality control project managers and um, and business development uh, department and a finance department. So basically, the structure that any language business services company right. has. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's um, who's that's your market? Like, do. who do you? What, what is your market? What do you consider your market? Uh, mainly the U.S. and uh, I saw some of the, the people think that we work in Latin America. Uh, we focus on the Latin American market for people who want to come and, and and talk to the Latin American audience because mm-hmm. we're here and that's what we know. Um, but we don't necessarily target clients in Latin America, uh, even though there's language diversity here, not that much. Um, the, it's it's not a huge need as it is in the U.S. or in Europe. And the U.S. is easier for us because of uh, the time alignment, so mm-hmm. uh, time zone and yeah. uh, communication. And it's easier for us to go back and forth and travel and meet with our clients, go to events. Um, it has always been more of a you know easier target. Mm-hmm. And in terms of what kind of clients, we have a mix of end clients and MLVs. Um, you know that for smaller regional language vendors or single language vendors, it's always been easier to work with the MLV MLVs, than yeah. it has been to, you know, find end clients. I, I have seen a trend and it's changing. Um, in fact, we just won an RFP with an end client out of the U.S., uh, Silicon Valley area because they wanted to have more control over quality and cost. Mm-hmm. So, and this is something that they are trying out. Mm-hmm. So I do, uh, you know, funny yeah. you mentioned like the MLV being your, um, your, your customer, because when I first saw that model, I would have thought, you know, this reminds me quite a bit of a pyramid uh, uh, way of marketing mm-hmm. things, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, that's how pyramid marketing works. You, you know, there's many levels in the, in the selling process until the mm-hmm. product is, is, is shipped. Um, and, you know, uh, of course, you know, with 19,000 localization companies around the world, it's very hard sometimes for a client to decipher you know, where, who do I do business with? Which one is good? Right, which right. one is not good? And how many of them do I have to try before I find something that I like or I consistent, etc. So you do business with MLVs and that's great idea, but I'm assuming from a client perspective and from your client, from your perspective, going direct to a customer, that's, you know, make the road a little shorter. Uh, it is, you know, uh, having the MLV is a steady uh, a revenue generator, right? So it's like an everyday uh, thing. The relationship is already built, is already there. And, uh, and for us, it's a daily, you know, a, a workflow. So it's, it's easy. Uh, while we work towards getting or um, getting into the end client uh, relationship, which takes longer 
the I have friends in the corporate side. I have friends I've been friends with forever. So I can sit down and ask, what is it? I mean, why do you go to the big guys and you can't come mm. to me for Spanish or, or Portuguese for that matter? And um, these relationships that these uh, corporations have have been there forever. They just need one single point of contact. It's easier for them. They don't necessarily have the structure to deal with multiple vendors for all the languages that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a strategy thing for them. And, um, and there's, you know, there's not much we can do about that because if I yeah. had to go to, if I had to become a multilingual language vendor, um, then I would become not an expert at what I do. Spanish is already big enough. If you think about Spanish and the number of people that speak Spanish and the volumes it would make sense to just have one vendor for Spanish and maybe another vendor for the rest of the languages, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that that's sort of the approach that we're taking. So given the importance and the size, um, yeah. then, you know, come to the end. You bring up a very good uh, point, though, uh, Cecilia. Like uh, one is, which is I always encourage, is direct communication. You know, mm-hmm. happen to be your friends in this case, but direct communication with customers sometimes to... Oh my God. Uh, it, it clear up many things, understand their needs, tell your story, uh, you know, clarify a few things, what's important to them, and uh, figure out what makes a successful arrangement with this particular customer down the road kind of thing. So allows you to build a solution that the customer envisioned at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So from your perspective and from a, without giving the secret sauce, et cetera, I don't want to, you know, we don't want you to spill the beans here of what works for you. What is your, what is your go-to, mar- if you can share like some high level ideas, what is your go-to market strategy uh, for Latin ways? I know your market, as you mentioned earlier, is the U.S., but I'm assuming it's not limited to the U.S. Um, what is your go-to market strategy? Do you have a sales team? You have a marketing? I know you attend a lot of conferences. I see, I see your face on um, pictures in on LinkedIn quite often. So that's very good. And that's make you active in the, in, in the industry. So, Well, um, for me, it's uh, maybe mainly networking. So attending all these events, uh, because as we said before, it's all about the relationships, right? So we are in an industry where um, we've, we've seen it. I mean, it's uh, once you have a relationship with somebody, then that person, if they have the opportunity, and I have these friends in, in the in the Silicon Valley area, they're like, I am trying to think how I can, you know, give you something. <laughs> Just because they want to get out of their way to help. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm not, you know, this is not what it is about. So our, our strategy has always been um, understanding our market. So I First of all, understanding who we are and what we can do. Uh, understanding how we can be different from our competitors. You know that uh, Argentina, ever since I started, it has become a huge hub of translation companies. So every time you go to a conference, there's like 25 translation companies from Argentina. We're all offering the same, right? Uh, so it's difficult to... Um, compete if it's not only based on price. So for me, the relationship surpasses that pricing strategy, right? Um, 
because the reality is that we're all working with the same vendors, the same, you know, clients. We, many of us. Plus you are in clients. the same economy. You are in the same we're region. The same, you, know, same you pay the same, region, same salaries. Same yeah. Exactly. So I, yeah. I had, um, I have people that I know coming after my PMs to sell them to, you know, uh, companies in the U.S. So it's, so understanding who you are and, um, so for us, the strategy is always analyzing what we do, always questioning how we can be better. Um, every year we do consultancy. Every year we sort of um, shuffle and, and think our business model. I think that before you could think of a business model and have it for 10 years, I don't think you can have a business model for more than six months now because of how fast things are changing. That's right. Um, so we we sit down, sit down. We re-strategize. We uh, um, look at the we ha- we have uh, KPIs, of course, that we look at. We usually look at them weekly. Uh, we have a every we have corporate uh, company wide goals, and then every department has their own goals that have to you know work towards those company wide goals. We see them. We look at them every week. And then every quarter, we break it down in the, in the case of business development it, to understand client behavior, you know, purchases. Um, and then, of course, with, those, with that information, we can make strategic decisions, uh, think what's going to come next, if we need a meeting, if we need a visit. So if, if I have to name one thing that it's, that what drives business development at Latin ways is the relationships. It's the, the relationship with the people. And every time we have an opportunity to have a conversation with one of our clients or have a prospect, I always, always say that I'm here for the long term. And that's why I've been here for 20 years. I don't want, I, I do have a portal for transaction of business. So we do have that also. But Latin Ways is a service business, and uh, we sell a service. I mean, translation, everybody sells translation. Sure. We sell service. So um, if we can be your strategic partner, if we can be who you can trust, but yep. that is a two-way street. So it's communication. It's always the best clients at Latin Ways are clients that are in constant communication with us. They give us heads up. They give us training. Um, they want us to participate in their in their RFPs. Mm-hmm. So we work together. This is win win. Right. If I'm doing right. all of your Spanish and Brazilian Portuguese and and some other languages, why not involve me from the start? I'm your office without being part of your company, right? That's right. That's right. So that's um, that's what I would summarize it in just yeah. one action, it's relationships. Yeah, congratulations on the uh, focus on the communication and relation building relationship because that is in a service industry, that's absolutely uh, paramount. That's absolutely important. And I always say, you know, the gap between a business or service provider and their customer generally is filled by the competitor. Generally, mm-hmm. if they're not mm-hmm. talking to you, they're talking to somebody else. Um, you know, you'd want them to talk to you. You'd want them to be involved with you and you want them to make sure that if they have something on their mind, they feel that they can trust you enough to say, 
yeah, yeah, let's have a conversation about what I have. Exactly. Exactly. So now that we've now that we've you know, let's assume we've we've done the sales job and revenue started to flow. Every service company, including the localization industry, deals with a um, I want to call it sales operation issues internally. That's not a that's not a that's not a uh, secret. I hope I'm not spilling the beans on anybody here, but it is it is fact uh, where you know you've got you know sales is about market changes. It's about you know, selling something that the customer have asked for that we need to customize sometimes where operation have set ways of doing things. And every time there's a new customer, perhaps it changes the way small amount changes the way things are done internally. And there's oh my always, God. and there's always that friction between and, and I uh, <laughs> sales and operation. <laughs> I wanted to you know, inquire a little bit on this one because uh, everybody I talk to, they tell me, yeah, there it is there. But, you know, it's sort of it like is. the elephant in the room that nobody <laughs> talks about. So what do you, what's your perspective on this? <clears throat> Sometimes it's funny. Um, I, I should call Mile here, one of my partners and the, the person in charge of operations. Because sometimes it's like, hey, we are in the same side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're on the same team. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what are we doing? We're not competing against each other. Um, we are always thinking of new ways of addressing these issues. But the, these issues issues exist in every company. Even my clients, when I talk to them, uh, sometimes like, oh, my God, my salesperson wants to quit because the PMs didn't quote blah, 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 right. And I'm like, we need to work together. I mean, again, salespeople, usually the salespeople in the bigger or my, most of my clients don't really know or necessarily know translation. So they expect, they just do all the sales and then they expect the rest of the company to do everything else. With companies like Latin Ways, where we know what we're doing, it's mainly we work together. There's more cross-collaboration, right? Okay. So... Uh, the alignment there happens with um, showing everyone in the team that everybody's working at the same level. Um, Mile sometimes says, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, yes, we can. <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of friction that happens between operations and sales. Sometimes sales says yes to many things and operations says, no, we can't. Um, but it, it's, it's more related to protecting you know, the vendors and the PMs and their time and sales wanting to be more aggressive. But the reality is that every company is measured by, by how much money they make. That's right. So That's right. when we have this conversation, I'm like, yeah, but if you look at our goals, because this is the kind of conversation that we have. If you look at our goals, half of the dashboard is sales. That's right. So allow me to do my job, okay? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Let's work together or these numbers are going to be stagnant, okay? That's right. So, That's right. yes, encouraging regular and open <laughs> communication with the team is and, and across all the departments is crucial. We have uh, bi-weekly meetings with a, what we call account management meetings. So it's operations and the business development uh, department. Um, there's trainings always. And uh, we had, and this is something that I, I'll share just because uh, it might help. We, because we had more experience with MLVs, when we started working with end clients, 
at the beginning, we, it took us a little while to understand that we couldn't deal with the incline the same way we were dealing with MLB. And, uh, and it took, uh, it took a little while to understand that there had to be a different kind of communication, different timing, a different level of, of expertise uh, mm-hmm. from the team handling the end client. Right. So it's, you know, it's also you being involved to me from business development, being involved in the conversation and seeing where they are not connecting and teaching them, dedicating the time to say, hey, listen, see when this client and it's, it's a permanent, permanent training, right? So mm-hmm. it's showing them emails, it's showing them communications, it's, help, it's having them in the calls so that they see what kind of communication we have with an end client versus an MLV. The MLV is like, here's the job, do it for That's tomorrow. Right. The end client is meetings, here's the reference materials, onboarding, blah, blah, blah. So much more complex, but um, it takes a lot of um, working together to, to be on the same page. Of course, the same goals. If you if you show your goals to your entire team, so as I said, we have the the organ the organization wide goals, and then we have the goals per department that will help those goals be achieved. Right. So when you make that public and available to everyone in the team, everybody's aligned in a way. Everybody right. knows how much money we need to make. Everybody yep. knows how much money we're spending on blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, and it's not about, it's about if we want people to work as hard as you do, they need to see you work hard. So we are the lead by example kind of theory. That's right. So we work as hard as our employees and we share information. That's we right. cannot not share information. Being scared that they're going to steal the information and take it somewhere else. Well, c'est la vie. Uh, you know, <laughs> c'est la vie. Exactly. So defining those shared goals and metrics, and of course, trying to have all the technology that you need in place in order for everybody to see this quickly mm-hmm. and efficiently. Timely. So our CRM in the business development department, our TMS that anybody can you know access, mainly vendor management to deal with the vendor side of it project managers to see availability and rates that we business development oversee mm-hmm. and maintain the information about all the clients is maintained by business development. Uh, any news is, is added there. We have like, you know, red flags if there's something that needs to be communicated, making it <laughs> as automated and as simple as possible for everybody to be on the same page. So basically, that's how we work on alignment across the different departments. And I want to add something there with a remote thing. Uh, we still, I, I, I've seen many, many companies, especially in this side of the world, that have gone completely remote or they have always been remote. And uh, when the pandemic started, of course, we had to go remote. And then when the pandemic ended, we said, let's go back to the office. Nobody wants to go back to the office every day. And I understand it's time. It's a combination of housework, especially in our industry. There's a lot of women with kids. And it's great to be at home and have your kid right there. I I understand that. And 
But when I was trying to understand what was it about working from home or working remotely, aside from the saving time and money, it was about productivity. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I understand productivity because we work all day. Even yeah. though we have our kids in the same room, we're working right. all day. Right. We'd never right. stop. But there has to be something, something else outside of productivity. And I came across this um, presentation, podcast, I don't remember what it was, that actually made sense. So when you go back to, because I was trying to find excuses to go back to the office, and this person said, we are human beings and we are wired for relationships. And it's okay to have huge productivity. But the problem that the pandemic or the remote work brought to our existence is there's no creativity. So we stopped being creative and innovative because we stopped having conversations. When Sorry. you're in the same office. We're siloed now. Exactly. When you're <laughs> in the same office working with finance people, uh, business development, uh, linguists, and everybody in the company with different roles. You go out for a smoke, you go out for lunch, you go, you know, you take a break. And that simple conversation about whatever, That's right. or you overhear a conversation, sparks something in your head that makes you think of a new solution, of a new idea, of a new approach mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have had if you had been in your office all day every day absolutely so we decided i mean uh, as, a, as a strategy as a company strategy we go back to the office twice a week and we are hoping to make it more often but we're negotiating <laughs> yeah. twice a week is as much as we could get right now <laughs> so i'm assuming all your stuff it lives around the office is that is that what i not around the office but in the same city Yes. In the same city, yes. they can we, commute to the we, office. That's my point. They can commute. Yes, we don't. Yeah. We only have, I think, two people that live in different provinces, and some of the linguists, the in-house linguists, yeah. mm -hmm. um, that have moved out uh, out of this city, and they still work remote. But they're linguists in the end. It's different than uh, right. the talent people. You know, the ops yeah. people. Yeah. People but, you know, talking creative. to a few people about this uh, issue of remote working, of course, you, your point is very valid. And I've heard the same theory before. Creativity is lacking when you don't work with others. Uh, that yes. interconnectivity with others sparks a bunch of other creativity, ideas, yes. solutions, etc. However, I'm hearing also from a business perspective that the remote working model, if you will, and it opened up a whole bunch of scenarios where, let's say, business A requires talent. It's not found at the right characteristics or the yeah. right criteria within the area that they are. Remote working now allows them to hire that individual anywhere in the planet. If they anywhere. Want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I so, agree with that. But everybody's coming to Argentina right now. So I have them all here. I <laughs> think <laughs> they're going to Argentina. Must be a nice place. I never visited. Maybe I should. Oh, my God, you should. <laughs> there's a conference which, in... Which city, which city are you in? Cordoba? Are you in Cordoba? Cordoba. Yeah. Translated in Argentina, uh, the organization, the non-for-profit that I co-founded yeah. uh, many, many years ago, uh, is having their third event in September. So and maybe uh, what date in September? It. I think it's the one, two, three. Yeah, that's uh, fine. 
I'll find out. Yeah, I'll confirm that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Translated in Argentina. It. It's the yeah, it's a it's it's, it's a one nice of the event. it's one of the associations that you're heavily involved in. Well, I co-founded it. So yes, right. my business partner Agufina was the president for two years. And uh, yes, I've always I my event, the translation and interpretation conference, when we mm-hmm. when I split from my former partner, we stopped doing that conference. So when I got involved again and I was assumed as president, I said, why don't we, you know, resurface the translation and interpretation conference? I help you organize it. Yep. And I helped her put together the two first conferences. I'm not involved in this one, but because I have too many things on my plate, but, um, but they already have, you know, all the background information, all the previous, you know, materials to to sort of work with so yeah yeah i wanted I, to ask I, this I like question i want to ask you this question a little earlier but i left it till now i guess uh it's very interesting to catch up with you on many topics and i hope you come back to this channel because i'd like to dig deeper into some of the conversation that we're having right now and you know yeah. there are some topics that really you can dedicate an hour just exploring i know you know every, everybody is talking now about the the technology innovation that's happening in our in our industry um, mm-hmm. On many front, really. Uh, yeah. So, what's your take on that? Where, where do you see oh the technology, <laughs> and how are you operating within all this today? And what's your plan in the future? I guess. <clears throat> uh, we are standing by and seeing how it goes. I mean, right. it's because of the nature of our clientele. I would say uh, we sort of do what they want. So we can't really say we're going to use machine translation or integrate um, artificial intelligence in this and that and then do post-editing. We did um, many years many years ago, maybe two, three years ago, we uh, created a program um, up on our proprietary training platform for post-editors because... We were post-editing. I mean, the, the experience showed that the post-editors, that the editors were not necessarily good post-editors. So we said, okay, these are different skills. We need to train people. So we created this training program and every person that post-edits at Latin Ways has approved that program. Maybe they're great linguists, but they are not necessarily great post-editors. So that's one of the things that we did to sort of, tap into this new post-editing thing. In terms of using machine translation, most of the projects that are machine translation come to us already machine translated. So there's not much we do there. And where we wanted to investigate a little bit, like we're always trying to find new verticals, you know, new, you know, niche where we could help the the technology places where we've been to, artificial intelligence is like a hundred percent on, and they cannot see where we would fit in. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, um, I'm obviously not talking to the right people because these are salespeople probably, so they don't really know how we can help. But I was listening to another podcast and I when I heard what he was saying about how they offer value or added value to their service 
I'm like, yes, you can do that because you are this big of a company. Like measuring. So on top of the translation of the website, they're offering um, how the translation impacts on return on investment. So that's a, right. that's an additional, <laughs> that's a different that's world. Right. That's right. <clears throat> so we, I mean, as a regional language vendor, how much, you know, and everybody yeah. that comes to Latin America to do translation, they come to Latin America thinking everything is cheaper here, mm-hmm. just with that mindset. So uh, I, I, one of is the things cheaper? that... Or do they have the, the, the wrong impression? I don't know. They have the wrong impression. And this <clears> is, you know, one of the things you wanted to discuss with, was pricing strategies. And I'm like, we have nothing to do with pricing strategies. I mean, the client, when they come here, they're like, okay, this is my budget or this is how much I want to pay. Or, oh, oh my God, I have three other vendors that offer me uh, half your price. So that's why for me, it's important. Uh, relationships for me are important. And that's, that's right. why my pricing strategy is working with the people I want to work with. So yes, I'm not going to be number one in the world, but because um, I just don't, I can't do everything everybody wants. So it's as in, for us, it's as important to take care of our clients or yes. have that relationship with us as it is to have it with our vendors. That's right. right? That's right. So we take as you know much importance in those relationships both ways. And and you know you're right. You're absolutely correct to be on a standby because from the business perspective, why would you invest in something that doesn't apply to your business? If your business is not a require, it's not requiring right now to for you to, you know, take a look at you know other things like um, uh, the new technologies that are out there, MT, are uh, you know large language models, etc. Why would you even do it uh, unless there is a customer willing to pay for that? It would be a wasted investment unless there's a return on investment from your side. If I implement this technology, I save X and it provide me with a little bit more profit, maybe. Uh, but you're right because well, you're, because of the business model that you're in, you're you probably educated. You, you're being educated on the technology. You're waiting to see how the technology is going to affect the business. And to be honest with you, that's the right approach because I see a lot of people jumping into it two feet first, and then they come back and they say, "Well, mm, didn't work that well." Mm-hmm. Um, and we so- we can't. Sp- I mean, we're smart about <laughs> spending our money. So, and 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 the reality is that uh, you need to be you you need to have a team working on that understanding what's really happening. I mean, we are a smaller company mm-hmm. that wears still the partners. We wear many hats. I mean, Correct. I you're, am an entre- you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you do everything exactly. you need to do. I mean, that's, that's what and an entrepreneur does. Exactly. And even though I'm in charge of gen- revenue generation, I also volunteer with women in localization and I do this and I do that. And I, you know, it's, it's a different front. So I listen Correct. I participate actively in many conversations, panels, presentations. I listen. I learn. I learn all the time. So I'm listening to podcasts all the time to see what people say, what people are doing. And then I I go to the office like crazy. And then my partners are like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Chill out. Let's breathe. Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's breathe and think about this for a second. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about having partners, right? Um, yeah, I noticed they help from, you stabilize. 
that's right. I mean, you gotta you gotta be grounded sometimes, and sometimes some people like your friends or your partners will tell you, "Hey, yeah. you're you're way off there, man. Just come back to reality a little bit." Exactly. And, and yes. The same thing happens to all of us. But um, one of your interesting side of of your of your business life is the volunteering aspect, which impressed yeah. me quite a bit because you're involved in, and that's the nature your nature of giving back to the industry. And that's the purpose of this channel, by the way, is to give back to the industry. Yeah. I don't need another job. I already have a full-time job and I'm president exactly. of the Canadian Language Industry Association at the same time. So I don't really need another task to be added here, but I felt the need personally, I felt the need and, I, and it sort of came came upon me one day. I felt the need that I need to give back to the industry mm-hmm. and document <clears throat> some of these conversations with notable people such as yourself and uh hopefully the records down the road will be valuable to somebody and i know like right now we have you know we're we're just launching the uh, we're just launching the uh, the channel and we having so far very good you know we publish these episodes on a weekly basis sometimes twice a week and we're booked uh, till the end of summer so it is um, nice. there's a, there's a lot of activity happening on 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 this podcast so Again, given your nature of giving back to the industry, which is similar to mine, talk to me a little bit about the various associations, not just one, the various associations that you're involved in. <laughs> the various associations. Well, um, as, I, as I explained earlier, ever since I started, for me, it's been important to give, to share what I know. That's right. Um, and I feel... People are so lucky these days, people studying translation or starting out in the translation business because they have so much more information and so many opportunities. I wish I had when I started out. So going to the U.S. to that ATA conference back in the year 2000 and not coming back to Argentina and sharing, it was like, why why would I do that? The more we grow as an industry, the better we all become, the more knowledge there is out there. And then the funny thing is that when I organized the first conference, people were saying, oh, that's so generous of you to share. And I'm like, why would I keep this information to myself? I mean, why aren't we using technology at the university? Trados was already there. And our Mm. university, we were still translating with dictionaries. Like, (laughs) I'm like, ATA was at the time also uh, using dictionaries for their, you know, exams and stuff. So um, I, fe- I always felt in, uh, like a huge need to share. Mm-hmm. And at one point it was funny because we have the board of translators here in Córdoba, the Colegio de Traductores, where you legalize. We are official translators, right? We're certified translators. Certified here. translators. We have and the same thing in Canada, yeah. Okay, so they, they are a body, an organism that can legalize and they act on your behalf and they, you know, uh, sign and seal documents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because at one point it was my office receiving all the calls from all the fellow translators asking, how do I legalize this? How do I do that? How do I, and I'm like, the board is, you know, a different number, different number. (laughs) We, at one point we became the people to go to for information because we were sharing so much. And, um, I guess it's always been in my, you know, nature. And because this is so isolated, Argentina is so in the end of the world. And it was always, I felt ever since I went to that conference that we were in such isolation that the only way for me to know what was going on in the world was to go 
to the different and associations out. and become actively involved. Because being a passive participant of these associations, you can get so much. But being actively involved, you get to learn. Mm-hmm. You get to connect to people on very different levels. Yes. You get to know people mm-hmm. that you wouldn't know from attending a conference in a coffee break. Mm-hmm. So you need help organizing an event. I volunteer. You Absolutely. need, so the Association of Language Companies, I'm organizing events. I've been chair, co-chair, uh, unconference, conference, gala. We, with Fabiano Sid from C-Cups in, today he's OXO. He was, his company was the, purchased by OXO. Yeah. We started a brand called Think Latin America when Latin America was on the cover of the Time magazine, right? So... We organized, it was Mexico, Chile, um, Dublin. I mean, so many events about Think Latin America. It was, it was events about how to do business with Latin America. From And the speakers were usually corporate side. It was super interesting. And then Gala um, acquired the brand and they started doing this Think series and stuff like that. So it's always been like that. And... For me, it's been a huge learning experience. And I always encourage people who want to get more out of what they do. Uh, and especially because of our background, I'm a linguist. Mm-hmm. So seeing people, imagine being the president of women in localization. I've been the first Latin American president in Latin America. Congratulations. Never seen, be- never seen before. Uh, vendor side. Never seen before. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to represent this organization for two years. Um, I worked very hard, but I also learned how to just seeing these Silicon Valley ladies, right, in a meeting room, how they behave, how they talk, how they communicate, how they prepare, how they present. For me, it was Huge. It was like going to, you know, Stanford. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need Stanford. I had women in localization. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. So it all depends on how you get involved, how much you engage, and how much you want to learn. Correct. And many people say, what's in it for me? Or, and, and I start, what can you do for the association? And everything else is going to come back to you. That's right. Okay. That's right. It's a boomerang effect, so, right? So it's always, always with everything, it's a boomerang That's right. effect. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. And you I'm a true there, believer it, of that. You put it out there in good faith, it'll come back to you. So, and you know, a lot of people that they negotiate what's in it for me at the front, they don't get nothing at the end, I think, sometimes. But <laughs> you have to be generous in your time and your feeling towards something and your passion towards something in order for us yeah. to harvest something out of it. It's, um, there's many yeah. philosophers that spoke about this throughout the time. But, um, you know, I really appreciate what you've shared with me today, uh, Cecilia. And um, one of the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bringing back, uh, we have an episode planned with uh, Carrie Fisher again. We've done one yes. episode with Carrie and she's coming back onto the channel. We have another one booked and we're going to dive into uh, a specific topic on this one. I won't spill the beans now, but uh, 
there is a um, uh, I'm a big supporter of the uh, this channel is a big supporter as well of women in localization empowering women in our industry uh, driving um, uh, driving the and I'm hoping someday at some point somebody will take my seat in this channel and uh, hope it, hope, hoping it would be a uh, female to take that uh, to the next level nice. at this, I can at this help. point at this point, at this point, yeah, that's right. And, and I would love that. At this point, it's just driving this uh, forward by having those kind of conversations together yeah. and driving this to the yeah. next level. So uh, yeah. before, I, um, before we wrap up here, is there anything you would like uh, to say uh, for the audience uh, as, as a takeaway or a couple of wisdoms that you, that you can share with us? Um, Sure. Going back to, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I think this space is beautiful and uh, very necessary. And I encourage anyone and everyone to listen to these uh, different conversations happening online because they are, uh, there's always something to take away. Always. Um, I'm usually a podcast listener in the car. And, um, and and I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts, and uh, it's always, always, it's always sparkling, th- sparking things in my in my head. So it's very important. Um, going back to to wrap up our topic, I think that uh, revenue revenue generation from our perspective, Latin ways, is is an ongoing process. There's no if I didn't give like three big tips of revenue generation is because I don't think there's just three big tips. I think it's an ongoing process. It's always changing. Um, It has to do with relationships for me, key. Um, And also constant analysis of who your client is or who your client, who you want your client to be which is, you know, your strategy might change based on that and who you are and what you want to be as a company. So um, if you're looking, and this is in this social media world that is crazy and it's putting so much pressure on everybody, I think it's always important to um, refrain from that a little bit and think about who you want to be. We had a huge strategy session this year with my partners at the beginning of the year and we said, do we want to be like number one in Latin America and go crazy? Or do we want to, you know, keep like this, be like this, choose who we want to work with, be sort of a lifestyle business while we make money? Well, okay. So it's important to understand who you are and who you want to be. Um, and I would um, repeat that or make that as valid for personal life for everyone, um, especially in these days where people are being so pressured by images and by, you know, ideal lifestyles, <clears throat> ideal, 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 ideal. What you see is not necessarily what it is. What it is. So um, don't go crazy. Choose what makes you happy. Um Make as much money as you want um, or as you can. But the level of success of your company is what you want it to be and not what other people think. So it is important to have a a good reputation. But reputation for me is not necessarily 
be in the top number one company because of how much money I make. My reputation is, or Latam Way's reputation is different, is having been able to be in the business for 20 plus years, having the same clients for 20 plus years, and being able or being, you know, here with you, that's right, having that's right. this conversation. You consider me a, a person to talk to. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I, I would like to leave our, our, our podcast with that kind of message. More no, than really, I, I, I really appreciate that. And it's, it's quite true, you know, um, not necessarily um, uh, for businesses to, you know, make as much money as they can. A, um, everybody in business to make money, that's right. And yeah. um, the images that you mentioned, the reference to the images as well, like, you know, the images that other portray on us are much different than the images we envision ourselves in. And as we live, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, as we live in a very influenced world, you know, if, mm-hmm. I don't open Instagram one time and I just like, I'm not a big Instagram user, but, you know, because of this channel now, we're putting uh, a lot of our stuff on Instagram. So I have to use Instagram and I'm being presented with things like, I don't know where they come from. And I'm thinking like, yeah. who, are these people? <laughs> who are these people? And why would you put that on Instagram? So, yeah, there is a lot, <clears throat> there's a lot to be said about being grounded on every level, as you mentioned earlier, on a personal level and on a business level. At the end of this, I want to thank you so much, Cecilia, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. You're so gracious with your time today with me. And uh, I hope that you would consider, you know, coming back to this channel. Always good to check with you and always good to talk to you. Yeah. You're right. You are a reference Anything. in our industry. And I consider you a very good reference in our industry. I respect, I have a lot of respect for you personally. I've talked to you a couple of times over the years. I hope that this is the beginning of our conversations to come. And thank sure. you so much. Anytime. 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 I'm always available. Well, <laughs> not always, but we can always arrange it. <laughs> we can arrange it. We can arrange it. So thanks again. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank to you. our listeners, thank you for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate your time. Uh, always uh, welcome your ideas. Always welcome your engagement with us. If you have any comments, you have any suggestions, or you have any questions, please uh, look look us up on YouTube and or your favorite podcast channel. We exist on all podcast channels that exist out there. So thanks again, and uh, we look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much.